So I think my job is a little bit easier when, um, when the Lord starts speaking, because then I know I'm not alone. I'm not just here doing what I, I think is good. But, um, so I think the Lord is speaking during worship. And um, there's something I'm going to speak about night, tonight that is going to be laying a little bit more of the foundations and a little bit more, we're going to be speaking a little bit more about that. But, um, so we're going to be speaking about family. We're going to be speaking about how do we work as family and what does that mean? And just singing about God being the good father. And that's where it really starts, right? That's, our, that's the beginning point of, of, of that. Um, so thank you, yeah, thank you, Lord, that you are speaking. And it's not just Nolan here. You guys are not just here to hear me say something, but you're here to hear what the Lord has to say to us tonight. Um, so we're going to be taking the next step where we started, started last week. We're going to take the next step in having a look at Acts 2.42. So Ethan, if you mind just popping that up on the board for us. And um, if there's a title to my sermon tonight, I would call it uh, Devoted to the Fellowship. So last time we looked at devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching. And tonight we go to the second part where we say, where, where in Acts 2.42, there we read, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And tonight we're really going to look at that word fellowship. So. But before we get there, we just want to have a look at devoting ourselves because you need to understand what you're doing when you're devoting yourself. So a devotion is more than, yeah, it's more than just liking something. A devotion is a perseverance despite hardships and pushing through to get to the goal, end goal. So when we read devoting yourselves here, it's not just, hey, I wake up in the morning once and I do it once. This is a perseverance, an ongoing thing that we that we do daily, and we do it in spite of hardships. So the Bible does tell us that there are hardships coming, and they're not going to be easy days. And despite all of those things, we're going to be pushing through that. We're going to devote ourselves. So um, if we look at that, that second word, the fellowship, this fellowship we're speaking about here is it's not just a club. It's not just something you belong to. Now, Today, we had the opportunity of going out and having a look at the bodyboarding. And if you go have a look at the bodyboarding guys, they are, well, they're very devoted, aren't they? They're coming from all around the world to go bodyboarding here in, in Onrus. Um, and you kind of know all the people who are onlookers and all the people who are bodyboarders. You can see them from a mile away. I mean, you get 40-year-old men walking around saying words like Drew and stuff like that. So you can see them from a mile away. They all wear the same clothes, they all speak the same, they all have the same language, they all have the same, uh, the, the same manner about them. So these guys have devoted themselves to this bodyboarding thing. So are they in fellowship? Are they in true fellowship? Well, I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps they're in some sort of fellowship. But I don't think it's the fellowship that we see in the Bible. I think the fellowship we see in the Bible is something way, way deeper than just that. So the second thing I want to say and is that we all have to worship something. We all worship something. We all do something. You might not even know it, but we, you're going to devote yourself to something. You can either do it consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously, if you like. But you're going to devote yourself to something. So for me, I would rather devote myself to something that I know that I'm devoting myself to, rather than just haphazardly falling into that thing. So everyone has a church. And these bodyboarders, their church is the ocean. 
That's where they go to worship themselves. That's where they go and gratify their flesh. And they go in here, all these, then they, the people all have the same identity. They all have the same thing that's pulling them in together. And I believe we also have something pulling us together, but it's something way bigger. We've got a much bigger purpose than just enjoying ourselves and enjoying our flesh. So we'll ask you off the bat, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? So if we have a look at that, so we'll delve a little bit deeper into that word fellowship. And that word fellowship is actually a Greek word, koinonia. And um, that word is more than just fellowship. It's actually, in, in Acts 2.42, is actually the first time in the Bible that it's being used. Um, and when Paul speaks about koinonia or the fellowship that we're speaking about here, he actually mentions it in three different kind of ways. We have koinonia with the Father, so we have a vertical relationship with the Father. Then we have koinonia with one another. So it's, this, it's a horizontal koinonia with, with each other, right? So we believe in communities and we believe in spending time with each other. And, and that's one way that we have koinonia, that we go into, um, go into fellowship with each other. But again, Wednesday meetings are great, but we would love people to meet more often. And we'd love people to, uh, to connect more than just on a Wednesday and a Sunday. And maybe, I was just thinking this a bit earlier, it's not in my notes, but we started the service a little bit late today. And it could have been a bit awkward and weird for people, but there's an intention, it's intentional from our side sometimes to start the service a bit late. Why do we do that? Well, it opens up the opportunity for people to have a conversation. It opens up that opportunity to meet and greet someone that you've never met before. So although we don't say we should always do it, but sometimes we feel that it's, a good, that it's good for us as, as people to come together and really just to chat before the service. And then the third way is the relationship between two churches. So we had relationship with God, relationship with each other, but then we have relationships with other churches. At least that's how, how one of the ways that Paul speaks about it. So I'm going to go and touch these three areas very briefly, and then we're going to have a look at why it's important to have fellowship. So the first, <clears throat> excuse me, the first piece that I'd like to say, speak about is, Quinonia is, it's not just friendship, it's not just hanging out like the bodyboarders do, but it's a co-laboring. So it's something we're working together towards. It's something that we work together. It's not just a, um, it's not just something that we do for fun. So, uh, so uh, God says in the Bible as well that, uh, he's given us good works that have been determined beforehand that we're going to do. And I believe those are the good works that we're busy doing. We're going to co-labor with him to do those, those good works that we were uh, predestined to do. It also speaks about a partnering with one another. So it's not running off on your own and doing whatever you want, but it's actually partnering up with, other, with fellow saints and doing what God is calling us to do in unity. Uh, so we are united in one purpose. We are united in one goal. It's not just going off and doing whatever you feel like you're doing. And it is a gift that we jointly contribute for. Again, it's something that we all need to contribute for to go into what he has given us. It's an interactive relationship. So it's not a passive relationship. It's interactive. We need to interact with one another. Um, we don't always know, and believe it or not, I don't always know what's going on in Philip's head. He needs to tell me what he's thinking. Otherwise, I don't know what's going on. It's an interactive relationship. I can guess, but I'll probably guess wrong, and that just causes more friction and more harm. So 
It's an interactive relationship. God wants us to interact with him. He wants us to come and worship him. Tonight we were worshiping, and there are many forms of worship, but tonight we were worshiping with our words and with song and with dance. That's how we can worship him. Those are some of the ways we can worship him. We don't exist separately. We exist together. We exist in a body and we exist um, to interact and to grow with each other. So in Romans 12.5, can put that one up. In Romans 12.5 we read, So we, through many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we are one big body. We are one unit that does work together. But we are members of that singular body. So we can almost see each other as different cells. We are clumped together. A singular cell on its own is not much good. But a, but a whole bunch of cells working together with a nervous system, with a skeleton system, um, and all those other systems that are forgotten from biology, they all work together to work as a body as a whole. Also, we see when John, um, in his letters, John multiple stresses, multiple, in many times he stresses that it is impossible to please God without loving one another. So this thing about unity, this thing about working together is very important. So if we believe we are in covenant with Jesus, and in covenant really just means that you've given your life to Jesus, and therefore you are now in covenant with him. If we believe we are in covenant with him, we need to act out the obligations of that, that covenant. Okay, so it's a bit of a mouthful. What do I mean by that? Well, simply, if you love God, you will keep his commandments. So those are some of the obligations. But on the other hand, if we are in covenant with him, we are also able to receive the blessings of the covenant. What do I mean by that? If you are in covenant with him, you are also in his body. Therefore, you are in family. And this evening, we were singing, even this evening, there's a lot of the songs which I didn't know what <laughs> were coming up. So it wasn't like I chose the songs, but it was just really singing about God the Father and how we are actually in family with him. So that's, that's really what it means. So we get a blessing of being in the, in the family. Therefore, I take one more step. Therefore, we are also in covenant with one another. Therefore, we also belong to one another as the Bible teaches us. We belong to one body. So we believe my family is your family. We believe that my possessions are your possessions. And we believe my fridge is your fridge. What is in my fridge is yours. And what is in yours is also in mine. Now we have a, we'll start looking a little bit about how Paul perceived the, the differences and the communications between the church. Paul never did anything on his own. He was always in partnership with someone. And if we have a look, have a look at 2 Corinthians 8.5. Oh, thanks, Ethan. Not as we, so um, Paul is speaking and he says, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So if we read that slightly differently, if I can maybe just paraphrase a little bit. They, so the people gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of the God, by the will of God, they also gave themselves to us, meaning the apostles, meaning the people. Then uh, we also read something similar in Galatians 4, 14 to 15. So uh, yeah, Paul is busy speaking again, and he's saying, although my condition was a trial to you, so he obviously came uh, seeing the Galatians in an unhealthy, not a very good-looking way. So you must have been, you can imagine someone who's really sick, who's 
because he looks down and they don't look healthy. So he's saying, yeah, my condition was a trial to you. You did not scorn or despise me. So what he's saying is he didn't look at my outwardly. He looked at my, at my inwardly. But you received me as an angel of God, as Jesus Christ. What then have become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged your eyes out and given them to me. So that's next level devotion there. So what is, this, what is he saying? That the people actually devoted themselves so much to him that they would have gouged their eyes out to actually um, to be there. So that's really, really something to say. So that's how the churches are busy interacting with each other. Now, we shouldn't only be we shouldn't only look to each other and say, well, this is us and no more. We should really look outside as well. And um, Cornonia is not necessary just for, for, those of, for those who are sitting here tonight in the building. We should behave in a similar way to people that we don't know. In, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 3 and, and 1 Titus, um, we read about the qualifications of an elder. And one of those qualifications of an elder is to be hospitable. Now, this is not to say that only elders should be hospitable, but elders should give an example of how to live. Therefore, if you are following my example as I follow Christ, everybody should be hospitable as well. Now, I don't often do this, but hospitable in the Greek, I don't do a lot of Greek uh, wording, but tonight there's a couple of them. So in, in, the, in Greek, hospitable is actually broken up in two parts. It's phylos, which we know is love, and then xenos, which is stranger. So literally the word for hospitable is to love strangers. So therefore, we should all be hospitable, therefore we should all love strangers. So the elders set the example, but, we, but others should follow our example. We should treat strangers as our brothers. We should represent Christ to the lonely. Because we also read that God puts the lonely into family, so we should love strangers. Um, why should we love strangers? Well, we also read that God loved us while we were strangers. Not only when we were strangers, but we actually read that we were enemies to him, and he still loved us. Therefore, we should love as God loves. In 1 Peter 4 verse 9, we also see that we should show hospitability to one another without grumbling. That's, grumbling was something that uh, the people in Egypt often did. Uh, the Israelites, when they were coming out of Egypt, they often grumbled, and it's something that's not really God's heart. So we should show hospitality to one another and not grumble. Then in Hebrews 13.2, we read, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So we read a little bit earlier in Galatians as well, that, we should that the Galatians actually received Paul as though he were an angel. And now we're reading again here that we could, if we are hospitable, actually accept, um, accept angels without being, una without being aware. Now, we're going to slightly change a little bit of, of, of tact. We've now read about what is Quinonia and why it's important. But why should we show hospitality? Well, it represents us. Well, sorry. It represents Christ because Christ asks us to show uh, hospitality to people. After all, all our possessions are his, and therefore our homes are also his. So we should open our homes to, to the people. When we open our homes and we, we are hospitable, we can, are able to impact the nation. Um, so, for example, what I mean by that is we are not all 
necessarily able to go out into the world and necessarily able to go into Malawi like some people are able to do. But when we open our homes and we invite people in and we are hospitable, we are able to still bring the nations into our home and we are still able to, um, we are still able to evangelize and still able to, to really bring God to the people like that. When we are hospitable, we can really change people's lives. There's, um, there's a story about uh, when the 412 conference started. Um, there were roughly 70 just-gen members who went over to the Isle of Man um, for the 412 conference. And, as, and we've, last week we spoke about devoting ourselves to the apostles' preaching. So hopefully everybody understands that it's really important to devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching. But secondly, was the fellowship of these people that went into the Isle of Man they didn't live in hotels. They went and they stayed with people in their homes. They went and they lived with each other. They didn't, they didn't eat in restaurants. They went and ate the food with the people. And what happened then is there was a, a fellowship. The koinonia started flowing, and, and people were actually interacting with, them, with each other and with God. And, and they were really able to change the lives of those people. Um, Marisa and I had the opportunity to go to the Isle of Man this, this year for the conference. And... We spoke to a couple who were there, who were part of the, I think they had two congregations or three congregations at the time. They weren't a very large church with, with a few people there. Um, and we spoke to one of the couples who were there at the time when the Josh Jen guys came in, and they said, that is the thing that changed this church. Not, yes, the apostles' teaching was very important, and, and Andrew obviously preaches very well, and he carries a massive gift of God. But it was the fact that people were in their homes, busy, busy busy praying with them, busy loving with them. That was the thing that changed their hearts because they were able to practically live it out. They didn't just have some guy on the stage preaching something, but they lived this thing out with each other. We've been speaking about the 412 Conference, and as I guess you guys can understand, this is really just to let you guys know what the importance of this conference is. So practically, why should we go? Why is it a good thing to go to the 412 Conference? Because we've been reading about the fellowship, and I believe one of the ways we show our devotion to fellowship is actually by going to a conference like this, to actually sacrificing ourselves, our time, to go and attend something like this. Know that when you go, and if you are being hosted by someone, you're actually giving someone an opportunity to serve God. So somebody might have heard God's voice for themselves and said, you need to open up your home. You need to show hospitality to a stranger. And if we are one of those people who are busy going to the conference and we are busy being hosted by someone, we actually giving an opportunity for someone to live out this gift, someone to live out this thing that God has put into their heart. It's really important to go. I almost want to say, and this is a heavy and it's meant to be a bit of a heavy, if you have heard from God that you should be going and you're not going, you might actually be, be denying somebody the opportunity uh, to serve God and to love his church as he's been asked to. So just think about that. If, you, if God has spoken to you, just make sure that you really really follow his voice. So perhaps you find it difficult to receive. I know before I went to, to the Isle of Man the first time, I found it difficult to receive from, from God, uh, sorry, sorry, from other people, because I was very used to hosting other people. I was someone who hosted regularly, um, and we actually had a whole bunch of, of people in the 412 conferences always coming to our house. So we've had people from uh, Oxygen Life, uh, we've had people from our, our Otsuaran congregation. We've had guys from our Swillingham congregation. And 
And we hosted each and every single time we went to the, we, we, the conference was around. Um, but I realized when I needed to go to somebody, I realized it was a little bit difficult for me to receive. I'm quite comfortable at giving now, but actually receiving was actually pretty difficult for me. So I needed to actually go and learn how to receive as well. So if you are one of those people, this is actually an exercise for you to learn how to receive and to receive graciously. And when we receive, I think, let's just be aware as well of the widow's might. When she gave whatever she had, she gave what she had to, to God. So if somebody is hosting you and they're giving what they can, perhaps they are asking you to sleep on a couch. Perhaps they are even asking you to sleep on the floor. Those people are still trying to give from the little that they have. They are really trying to give out. So just be aware that um, somebody is really giving as much as they can. So are you willing to give up your comfort? Are you willing to sacrifice your comfort to actually go and serve God? Perhaps you're saying, there's nothing I can give to my host. Well, I believe there's a couple of things that you could do practically to help your host. So if you are being hosted, I think it's really important that we are, are good guests in somebody, somebody's home as well. So it's important not to pitch up and just expect to be served. Perhaps what you could do is offer to make food. Perhaps you could offer to help in the house. Perhaps look after the kids. Um, it's really important that we... We show gratitude when, these, when people invite us into their homes. After all, we want to be good guests. We want to be invited back, believe it or not. And um, we actually, there's a lot that we can give. And we can, we can chat about that now. But practically, I would almost say that don't be asked to go wash dishes, for example, when you're staying in someone's home. Go and wash the dishes. You don't need to, you don't need to ask your mom when you're in a home, hey, mom, can I wash the dishes? You just do it. It's almost expected of you to be part of the family. So I want to encourage you, be part of the family. Go and wash the dishes if someone, um, if you're in there. Just jump in and do it. Make it a pleasure for them to be hosted. Now coming down to land, those are all the practical things, but how can we spiritually help? How can we spiritually show gratitude? Something that I think Maurice is very good at is um, being intentional in conversation. So when she's in conversations, what she will do is she'll make note of all the good things that the people are doing. And she'll actually write them down, and, and specifically our hosts now. Because at, at the end of your two, three days with them, it's really important to sit down with them and have a heart-to-heart -heart and say, these are the things I'm seeing in your life. These are the positive things that I can see in your life. And ask God to reveal to you what are those things that he's going to be working in, the, in those people's lives. So what I'm, ask, what I'm trying to tell you is try and stir up your prophetic, your prophetic gift for these people. Try and hear what God is saying for the people and, and pray over them, pray with them. What is God saying to these people? So those are for your guests, ach, for your hosts, excuse me. But there are other people that you're going to meet at the conference. Um, and be intentional with those people as well. Um, often you'll see, even in a crowd, you'll see someone who's lonely. Don't wait. Don't ignore. So you might be with everyone else from Hermanus, Josh, Jen, and you'll see someone sitting out, out on their own. Be intentional to go and pull that person in. Pull them into the family. Don't let them be there on their own. Pull them in. Bring them in. It's very easy to get lost in, in a crowd. Um, it's actually, in fact, a lot easier to get lost in a hall of 3,000 than it is in a hall of, what are we, 50-odd people in the hall here. I can see all of your faces. In a big crowd, it's very easy to hide. And it takes each and every one of us to pull, and to pull people in. So in conclusion, oh, sorry, before I get to the conclusion, the other thing that we should do is pray for each other. And I think that's something that God has been speaking to me tonight. 
about as well. And perhaps we're going to engage in a little bit of koinonia. Perhaps we, we should, we're going to exercise some of our gifts tonight. So I hope you guys are ready. It's not just the Nolan show. You guys are going to, going to help me tonight. But pray with each other. Pray, it, it sounds so simple, but sometimes we come to an end of an evening and, and I realize how, we never prayed with the people. But, so be intentional with your prayer. Be intentional with your gifting. I know there are people here with healing gifts. Be intentional to say, to ask the people, is there anything I can pray for you? And go and, and be intentional with those, with those gifts that you have. If you have a prophetic gift, prophesy. If you have a work, um, service gift, serve the people. Do what you can with the gifts that you have. So in conclusion, koinonia, it's more than just a friendship. It's really, it's a multifaceted relationship with God. And I really believe it's, it's just, it's a, it's a way to express how we love God. We express God's love to one another through our relationships with, other, with each other. We, we pray vertically to God. I want to say that koinonia will transcend culture. It will transcend man-made identity. It will go over and above all of those things and break down walls that we have built up. Koinonia is actually the outworking of Christ, of who we are in Christ and who we are actually in each other. It's something we should strive for and devote ourselves to. It's something that's going to take you out of your comfort zone, but it's something that's going to grow you as well. So as Will always used to say, if we want to see what they saw, we need to do what they did. So let's do what they did. Let's devote ourselves to the fellowship.